0: Hello and welcome to another episode of OCONUS, The Contractor's Life, the uh, unscripted, free flowed no no-axe-to-grind podcast that explores the often murky world of the overseas private security contracting world and the private contracting world as a whole. From Washington State, I'm your host, Scott Dresser. My guest for this episode is Steve Shuback, a former member of the United States Marine Corps, retired in 2016 at the rank of first sergeant he's a former sheriff's deputy private security contractor and uh currently instructor trainer stateside and i might add an all-around good dude so with that said folks uh steve welcome back to the show and i'll explain that in a minute
1: (laughs) hey good morning scott yeah pleasure to be back um uh it's uh it's been a little bit um we're talking uh briefly about how fast time goes by and then ain't that something
0: uh-huh yeah no it's it, it does um, talking about the holiday season and you know just yeah, you know we were talking about memories and and uh, the theories that physicists like to talk about as to how all this stuff works with time compression and, and it, yeah, <laughs> and it just
1: gets it just goes by faster and faster as we get older but hopefully hopefully <laughs> With time, we get better at doing what we're doing, right?
0: <laughs> well, um, that's the ideal. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. So, Steve, uh, f- um, for the full, uh, so let me, before we do that, uh, the reason I mentioned again is people that listen to this probably have heard this before, and I'm sure they're going to hear it again. We, um, you know, the wonderful world of technology, I mean, glitches happen, and um, usually, man, I tell you, it, it, almost never fails. It's almost human or user error. Um, but the, but technical glitches do occur. <laughs> Sometimes they're for real. <laughs> so anyway, uh, <laughs> with that said, Steve, the people that are listening, um, can you give them a, a, a brief, uh, synopsis of, uh, who you are, uh, what you did, um, uh, prior to becoming a contractor and what it was uh, that you, re- as you recollect uh, that event or a series of events that led you to becoming a, uh, a contractor.
1: Right. Yes. Uh, it's, um it's a, uh, it's been quite a journey to get to the point where I am now. Um, I'll try not to uh, drag everybody down with my boring details, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so what led me up to, Becoming a contractor um, uh, took probably a couple decades. Um, so uh, started off um, joining the Marine Corps uh, in uh, 1988, um, and uh, I think that was probably the, the beginning of the path that I started walking. That uh, that's enabled that did enable my, uh, my contracting career. Um, join the Marine Corps in 88, join the reserve. Uh, thanks for the plug by the way, but, uh, it was, uh, it was in the reserves my whole career, um, with sporadic, uh, deployments, um, under my belt, but, uh, but yeah, join the Marine Corps reserve 88, um, first uh, battalion 25th Marines on the East coast. Um enlisted as a rifleman uh, wanted to join the infantry right away and the uh at the time as as i'm recollecting this at the time the uh i think the recruiter uh just leaned back in his chair and smiled because who walks into the recruiter's office and says i want to be a rifleman right <laughs> but uh good time Probably
0: fewer and fewer people these days you know yeah
1: yeah you yeah. know um which, you know, it's, it's could be a good thing for them Yeah, you know, trying to learn. A yeah. Trait.
0: I'm sure he had that big old broad smile on his face when you said that, didn't he? He absolutely <laughs> did. How were you in the room? Cause it's exactly <laughs> how he reacted. Yeah. Oh, I remember mine having something similar when I walked into his.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, but, um, But yeah, anyway, uh, Reserves um, and after School of Infantry. um, Got out and uh, did some time in East Coast. Uh, Shortly after that, um, moved to the Midwest, within in Ohio for a little while. It's an MP company. First MP company, Dayton, Ohio.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, They didn't have, since it's an MP company, I uh, I got put into headquarters platoon, as, uh, as is the case when uh, the specific unit doesn't have a, and it's not a Victor unit, um, they uh, categorize you with with the cooks and the uh, motor T guys and all that. Uh, good times. Um, it was through First MP Company that um, where I got my first deployment. It uh, was 1990. Uh, Desert Shield kicked off, and uh, and I remember getting the uh, getting that letter. And uh, I don't know if anybody gets letters anymore, but I got a letter in the mail that says, you are going to Saudi Arabia. I'm thinking, where's Saudi Arabia?
2: Hmm. But
1: um, that was the first deployment. And uh, that was really an eye opener. Um, I uh, looking back, um, I guess it's, uh, I don't know if it's common or uncommon, probably common for, uh, for those who would seek adventure. But my I remember my reaction was um, just being excited about having the opportunity to go to a distant land.
2: Mm.
1: And I think that's when I got that or maybe that's when I realized that I had. Um, I had uh, I had a bug for this. Uh, this lifestyle, you know, this this lifestyle that uh, that would that would grow and become part of what makes me and other guys like us. Um Addicted to that lifestyle. You know, um, that was the, uh, the impetus, I believe, hmm. um, had an opportunity to, uh, to go anyway. And, um, it was, uh, it was an adventure
0: for sure. Oh, I, yeah. Anybody that, <laughs> yeah. um, especially, well, especially during uh, wartime, it, it's a different kind of adventure. Is it not? Oh, at indescribable i mean i
1: guess we could we could do a whole nother podcast on that (laughs) we could could, we'd have to title it something different maybe but
0: uh (laughs)
1: yeah i think you just got your next
0: uh next idea
1: for another podcast
0: (laughs) you never Uh, know you know speaking of which um well i'll ask this similar question later uh when we get into that contracting realm but can you describe to the folks what it was like for you when you arrived over there when, when you first got off the plane and you were no longer in the U S.
1: Yeah. The, the memory is a a little foggy, but um, it was just this massive movement, you know, um, the the logistics were on a scale that I, that I, uh, that were mind blowing at the time. And and still it's difficult to comprehend all the moving parts. Um, uh, Anybody's, uh, worked in a log battalion, uh, can appreciate it perhaps, but, um, but just, I remember being, uh, overwhelmed at the, at the, uh, the scale anyway. Mm. Um, uh, flying into, um, flying into theater, we were transported by, uh, it was a 141, I believe at the time. And mm. it's, it's a whole different, it's a whole different game. Now it's uh, commercial flights and, and uh, you know secured airspace enables that. But at the time in 1990, I I think I'm I'm only guessing, but um, what was in place for prior deployments before 99 or before uh, 90 um, was probably what the go-to method of movement existed. So. 141, yeah, sleeping uh, uh, underneath a, uh, a uh, strapped-down Humvee. And, mm. uh, you know, everybody's geared up. And it's kind of a first-time go-around for this whole gulf theater experience, right? Because prior mm. to that, there, there, there wasn't a footprint to the scale that there is today. And coincidentally, um, the drawdown going down right now, um, I think we're going down to about 2,500, maybe 1,500 troops in Afghanistan.
2: Mm. But,
1: um, but yeah, so full-scale, um, full-scale uh, occupation, and uh, just the movement was incredible. Um, I remember being in the Portage of Dubai and um, just uh, just being thoroughly um, amazed at the at the size of the war machine in place and, mm. and uh, unbelievably uh, impressed and ex- just excited to be there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, fast forward, um, get back from uh desert storm, desert calm, 91. Uh, and uh, that was, uh, that was it for me. I was hooked. Mm. Um, I knew I wanted to, to reenlist in the reserve. Um, uh, there wasn't a question about that. I didn't stick around Ohio for too long. It' was about five, six, seven years ish um, before I uh, decided I wanted to um, or I stayed I stayed about yeah about seven years, I suppose. Uh, vacationed in Colorado um, and decided I wanted to live there. So I moved to mm-hmm. Colorado in 95 ish. Um, and joined up with um, with the uh, the Force imagery interpretation unit. So I had to get a, a MOS change. Went from becoming an 311 to an 241 hmm. This all ties into how I how I got into contracting. So I appreciate your patience with my <laughs> story.
0: Um, well, fortunately, I'm I'm not. Totally hyped up on caffeine's yet. <laughs> okay.
1: Um, yeah, I got one in my
0: hand. How did you know? Yeah. Wait. Yeah. I'm a, I just finished my third. So um. <laughs> we'll get there. Right. Right. So uh,
1: yeah, I I got a, I, uh, I made a lap move in uh, MOS's um, and picked up uh, picked up the skill set uh, in the uh, intelligence field. Um, and, uh, that really opened up a lot of doors. Uh, I was, uh, because of, uh, my new MOS, I was able to participate in, uh, Joint Guardian. It's a Kosovo support operation in the UK. Um, again, a massive, um, footprint there on, uh, on the Jack on the Joint Analysis Center in Molesworth. Um, and, uh, got to be part of a machine. That was uh, that was just completely impressive Hmm. Uh, being a a joint and combined environment um, was, was, uh, was a thrill. It was, it was tedious work, imagery, exploitation, uh, harder for, uh, harder for a guy like me who's used to, you know, the extent of, uh, of uh, interpreting instruction is, place on rock or something. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get the reference?
0: <clears throat> yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, so you suddenly
0: started to had, to, you suddenly had to start thinking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Instead of heating up, <laughs> of heating
0: up an MRE on a rock or something,
1: um, you know, I'm, I'm uh, exploiting imagery um, <laughs> that, uh, was, uh, that was, that uh, was in support of the operations. Um, that, that exposure was uh Extremely beneficial to me. Um, it taught me how to, how to interact with, um, the different services, um, uh, the different branches and, and uh, different, um, militaries. Hmm. Um, I'm convinced that it, it was, it was, uh, I was learning, I was learning a skill that I didn't know I was learning at the time. Hmm. Um, very valuable, uh, back stateside and up, and uh, let's see, I'm going to kind of combine both my military and, and civilian career history, just so it makes sense for, for everybody. Um, but uh, I joined the uh, the Colorado state patrol uh, in the late nineties, uh, still part of the same reserve unit at the time and uh, progressed through the ranks there um from from having a regular routine patrol duties
2: <clears throat>
1: but uh, ultimately culminating in uh, in um in my affiliation with the uh the immigration enforcement unit in the colorado state patrol hmm. um the uh that exposure again probably go into too much detail about that but but the that exposure, again, I think it tested me with uh, ability to uh, to integrate, communicate, liaise with different agencies and not only at the state level, local level, but um, but higher echelon law enforcement levels as well. Hmm. Um, still part of the same reserve units. Uh, let's see. It's fast forward. 2004. 2003, um, active duty with, uh, 3rd Battalion, Submarines. Marines. Um, yeah, 3-7 was, um, was something else, 2003, 2004. Uh, that's probably where I achieved most of my appreciation for, uh, for, uh, perspective on, uh, on Just how good we got it in this world, hmm. you know what I mean? Um, the exposure to to that deployment that I had, the exposure to appreciating uh, how good as an American,
0: how good we have it back here. Right so, now, you're you're talking about. So you're talking about when you re- redeployed again to the same AO. Uh, But during the second Gulf War.
1: Right. Right. Oh, three. So, you know, a good 13, 14 years went by and there have been guys in theater the whole time, pretty much to a greater or lesser degree. But um, ramped back up. Oh, three. Um, The machine got tighter. Right. We got better at doing what we were doing. Um, but still, uh, a, a very, a very capable and, um, worthy foe, um, mm. that, uh, that, that the mission was, uh, was focused on, uh, crushing. So up there on the Syrian border, you know, it was something else. Um, okay. So you were up in the
0: Northern area then for that.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah in a place called uh, Al-Qaim um, hmm. to the west. To the west, there was a border town called Husseiba, and that's where all the foreign fighters funneled through. And it was 3-7 uh, um, that took the place. They ripped with, uh, I believe, the first and third ACR out of the springs. Um, really quality guys.
0: I think I've well, heard of the ACR. Somebody I spoke with uh, earlier this year said something about, uh, I don't remember what the ACR is. Can you, uh, uh, do you remember what the ACR is or who they were? Uh, it's an army,
1: an army unit. Yeah. Um, I'd only be guessing at the acronym.
0: Yeah. I wanted to say it has something to do with PSYOPs, but I could be mistaken.
1: I That
0: sounds vaguely
1: familiar because their, their mission was, wholly different than, uh, than three seven um, cutting edge history uh, their mission. You know, these guys were just completely dialed in. Um, I, was happy, I was happy to be adjunct a part of them and, uh, and proud to, to
0: walk with them. And, um, So America's uh, military forces had advanced considerably in that time span. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I remember hearing that, uh, you know, that we had that America had its military had finally matured to a very professional fighting force. Not that it hadn't been in the past, but I mean, I've heard that sentiment that you're talking about expressed uh, in the past uh, by other people as well. Something did happen. It's kind of like we did, I don't know, maybe we grew up, for lack of a better term.
1: Yeah, and we just got tighter and, and, and more adept at doing what we were doing. We we learned a, 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 uh, we honed a skill set already inherent to the Marines mm. um, and just got better at doing what we were doing, which is remarkable considering ROE and being hamstrung uh, the way um, professional Marine Corps leadership often is given a set of rules, but told to play within the box. Um, I'll tell you what, Scott, the, uh, and you know, this, uh, this, this, you're no stranger to this fact, the, the ability of a Marine Corps uh, infantry battalion. um, I would match that might. There's no, it's not a, it's not a, uh, a, a, a slogan or propaganda or or me having a biased or any other Marine having a bias when they say that um, we are the Marine Corps is the finest fighting force on the globe. And just hands down, um, you know, um, it, the, the, the might of a, of an infantry battalion is overwhelming and if unleashed could accomplish, uh, I mean, we could have, we could have accomplished that mission a couple months into it. I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, no doubt in my mind, right? The luxury of um, being a staff sergeant, staff NCO at the time and being part of uh, being able to absorb uh, decision-making on the battle space from the uh, battalion commander, Matt Lopez, um, down to the uh, down to the uh, the cat team driver um, and decision making capabilities just um, overwhelmingly impressive. Hmm.
2: Um,
1: so uh, so yeah, 2000, 2004. Um, wow. So it was
0: 2004 was that the last time you were deployed uh, while in the military?
1: Yes. Yeah, that was my last, um, my last deployment with a Victor unit. Um, there had been other ops here and there, uh, but, um, but uh, it's Enduring Freedom uh, brought me down to, uh, down to McDill, uh, home of Central Command, hmm. to work down there for about a year and a half. That was back in, what uh, was that? Uh, yeah. 2002. Um, if I could back that up a little bit, again a fantastic exposure, multi-multi mm. uh, service joint and combined uh, environment. Just again, impressive machine.
2: Mm.
1: Um, uh, got to meet uh, General Zini, um, who was the uh, the deputy. Down there at the time, um, Lieutenant General hmm. and, uh, felt like I made an impact even though, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm behind the screen as a, uh, you know, I'm working the mouse, right. And I'm, I'm you know, sitting at a desk for 12 hours, but, uh, <laughs> satisfying, satisfying stuff, getting to shape the battle space, uh, what, huh. what we call, uh, um, Racking and stacking the uh, the order of importance, tasking satellites to to uh, to image parts of the globe that uh, would ultimately benefit decision making by by commanders on the ground in the battle space, uh, enabling their successes. It's hard to it's hard to uh, fully appreciate when you're sitting underneath um, the glow of a of a fluorescent lamp, but. Um, <laughs> But uh, being part of the machine, uh, that, that wasn't up to me to decide where I was going to work. Uh, but, um, huh. but yeah, sorry, tangent. That's um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, man. <laughs> 2004, last OCONUS deployment with a Victor unit.
0: Yes. Huh. Okay. So now, uh, so in 1988, you joined the Marine Corps and um, you retire in what year now?
1: Ah, uh, let's see. I retired in, uh, 16.
0: Yeah. Um, that's right. 2016. Okay. June of 16. Yeah. So it hasn't been that long then. Um, y- 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 you, miss it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No,
1: I, 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 uh, I joke with my friends who you know are former Marines as well and, uh, and, and others and, uh, I'd, I'd still be in right now.
0: But, uh, so what was it uh, that, you, that you, that, that, you know uh you decided to get out what 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 led up to or what was it that you said you know what it's time for me to step out and do something different
1: oh yeah that's just it see it it wasn't up to me i if i if i if it was up to me i'd still be in for sure Hmm. Uh, at once you climb up um uh the rank structure it becomes more and more competitive and uh you know i'm uh although chesty puller would be disappointed that I don't have any page 11s.
0: (laughs) Is that what it is? is? Uh, I don't remember. Maybe it is page 11. Yeah. Um, Gosh, that's right. Maybe that is the term we used. I I, I forget that there's other terms Um, counseling sessions. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: Right. Um, You didn't have any. I had
1: none. I had none. Um, Oh, man. Right. Right. Um, I guess I, I, you know, as a, as a young corporal, I, I learned to, how to make coffee well. So <laughs> um, I had a uh, I've had a very fulfilling and rewarding career working for so many quality uh, people. Yeah. Um, very thankful for it. No adverse action. But once you achieve the rank of senior staff, it becomes ultra competitive.
2: Mm.
1: Pretty much what it boiled down to. Um, and, uh, I, I, joke about, uh, a, a pick and, uh, that I submitted to the board in Afghanistan. I'll, I'll dive into that in a minute, but, um, ultimately what it boiled down to is, uh, I got out competed by my peers mm. and, uh, and I'm okay with that. It's, it's, um, it's, it was a privilege to stay as long as I did. 27 plus years, um, was pushing the envelope, I think 26 is where, uh, where the, where the mark is where they, they, they tell you you got to go. But um, mm. once you get, if you get not selected for promotion, in my case, Sergeant major, um, they, they, uh, they give you one more shot. And if you, if you don't make it after that, then uh, that's called a two P two pass. And uh, you got to make room for the next guy. So, mm. so that's uh That was my lot, Uh, not for trying, not for lack of trying, but, uh, but, uh, yeah. Um, okay. It turns out, you know, things happen for a reason. That's kind of a corny thing to say, maybe overused, but,
0: but it's true. I
1: mean, I do believe it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so you get out in 2016 and, and then what happens?
1: Yeah. Um, let's see. Chronologically, um, um, let's see here. 2016. Yet at that time I was working. Um, what was I doing? Oh, let's back it up a little bit if you don't mind.
0: No, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so. The.
1: Let's see. I was in the state patrol. In uh, 2000, let's see, it was 2009 that I separated employment with the state to take advantage of my first opportunity at contracting in 2009. So, yeah, yeah. OK. So I went to work for um, for Lockheed Martin. Um and at the time, it was, a, it was, you know, absolutely enjoyed, uh, and it was, a, it was a fantastic career uh, being part of the State Patrol. Um, you know, it's a, what most Marines gravitate to, you know. Hmm. Since I was never a hat, you know, I always wanted to wear that smoky. So, <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's when I gravitated towards State Patrol, but uh, talk about Twisted Steel and sex appeal, right? Uh, <laughs> looking good in your uh, looking good in your uniform, you know? Uh, yeah. Great times. Great times at State Patrol. Uh, fantastic opportunities.
0: Huh. Um, uh, now you said when you were at the State Patrol, you said earlier, and, and we had talked about this before, you said something about an immigration enforcement unit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so now, what's that about? Uh, I mean, I asked you this before uh, and maybe not everybody's scratching their head, but I'm like, you know, immigration enforcement unit in Colorado. What?
1: <laughs> yeah. No. It's, and that's a That's a a valid question. I or, uh, that's I could see why people might be scratching their head at that. Yeah. Um, Uh, Immigration enforcement is usually an ICE function, right? Uh, Homeland security type uh, function.
2: Well, Uh, certainly
0: is these days anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But um, the 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 mission that a lot of state agencies um, uh, engaged in and adopted was enabled by by ICE or by um, Homeland Security to assist in um, in the uh, in the apprehension and removal of criminal aliens. Hmm. Um, So that's, there was a small unit. It was, it was a, uh, um, the inaugural unit that I was a member of um, that stood up in uh, Colorado to, to engage in this and special authority given um, it's called the 287 G program that uh, where we would uh, work uh, jointly with um, with the feds on uh, on um, apprehending and and uh, removing um, or sending back to country of origin those aliens that um, that were uh, that were here not only illegally uh, but um, but criminally
2: mm. uh,
1: as you know um, there's I mean there's there's that would be impossible to 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 remove everyone in this country that were here illegally. And you know that's that's a a, a debate that that uh, that rages, right? That, that go, can go on and on about um validity of uh of 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 aliens within the within the states. But you you got to focus where where you can and uh what the state uh was concentrating on was um again assisting uh finding those criminal aliens, those, those aliens that, that committed, um, you know, the, uh, the murder, death, kills, the, the rape, Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, the robberies, the strong arms, the kidnappings, uh, the, uh, the, the child uh, exploitation, the um, uh, prostitution, uh, you know, um, the the more heinous crimes, um, because, you know, the petty criminal the criminal mischief, the the shoplifting, in the big scheme, it's it, that small change. Nobody really cares about that. But uh, but those criminal aliens here in the States that, uh, you know, cruising around an uninsured vehicle and plows into a family of four and kills them while they're out getting ice cream, you know, mm. that enrages Americans. And uh, it became a popular and uh, um, and uh, encouraged uh, a mission uh, that I think most most folks supported.
0: Um, right. Now, this was at the state level, right? This was, you know, the governor and, and whoever he was working with said, hey, this is something we want to do. So that was a state initiative and a state program.
1: Right. Yeah. It had to be it had to be, uh, had to be a, you know, a joint thing between the state and uh, the federal government. Uh, mm. you know, something that's something that the individual state wanted to do. Because perhaps they had identified, you know, a problem in the community, hmm. throughout the state. Um, okay, it exists. The same problem exists throughout the country. It's just some states choose not to acknowledge it.
0: Okay, so so in order for Colorado to get this unit that you're talking about, um, the federal the federal government also had to sign off on it. Is that what you're saying?
1: It's true. It has to be. It's a special authority granted by the agency, by the federal agency. Um, ultimately, um, it's up to that that agency director to enable that or to grant the uh, the enforcement ability down the, the lower echelon law enforcement chain.
2: Mm.
0: So and to do you know, do you know, that program still rocking or rolling? Uh, I don't. Um,
1: last I heard it, it was, but um, but uh, I think politics might have shifted in Colorado over the last few years. Um, if you're familiar with who's who the sitting governor is right now,
0: you know, I <laughs> with all the stuff that's been going on lately, I should know that name. But I, it does, it escapes me at the moment. Polis. Right. Say that again. Jared Jared Polis. Oh. Okay. Okay. Right.
1: And uh, I don't pay too much attention to his politics, but But, (laughs) I'd be guessing that he's not a proponent, or perhaps not as much as a proponent.
0: Who knows? Right. Who knows? Well, yeah, and um, yeah. I mean, politics aside, it's um, you know, I was I was surprised. That uh, when you first told me that that Colorado, I mean, I guess, it, you know, that it had that, that, that it was that much of an issue or problem in Colorado, um, although I guess, it, you know, if you really stop and think about it and look at the states that it borders um, and the traffic, um, it's it's kind of it's almost as if if they can make it that far, they're safe. You know, your words are behind you. Keep going, (laughs) you know, so that I can see how that might be. Colorado might be one of those states that draws people there if they want to stay here, Um, because now you're you're um, you're in the woods, so to speak. Now, you know, you're you've made it this far. You're blending in. So I guess I can see that in hindsight, um, why that would be a draw, Um, because I don't think the, the scenery is why they go there. No, I don't think so. And and,
1: uh, I don't blame the individual for wanting a better life. Right. But but, uh, you got to do it legally,
0: you know. Um, Right. And and it goes back to what you said earlier. When you first deployed in 1990 and then again in 03, um, you realized just how good we had it um, because you and and I and, and so. You guys like us, we understand why they want to be here. You know, hey, we understand. <laughs> but, you know, it's just like you or I, you know, if we're not on orders and we, you know, if we're not over there legally, you know, sanctioned by our government with an agreement with yours, unless we're at war with you. I mean, we got to, You know, we can't just come and go as we please. <laughs> you know, they do the same thing to us. So for anybody that's listening, that you thinks that's a monstrous you know, attitude to have, to, it's like, you know, hey folks, it's like that around the world. We're not, you know, we're not the only country that says, hey, you're welcome to come over and visit, but you got to go through the process to visit. Just like we have to do the same thing. You know, you go on a tourist passport to go on a vacation, all those bookings you made to get there, um, somebody or some in government offices or, you know, looking over somebody's shoulder and going, yeah, they're, they're fine. They can come in. Oh yeah. Um, even yeah. if it's just to lay a layer trap to say, Hey, we're finally going to get this person. Let him in. <laughs> <You know?
1: laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, and
1: and uh the US is remarkably porous compared to the rest right. of the world. Um I, I would say, yeah, the US, US, UK, who pretty much run the world by the way. Um w- remarkably porous. Yeah. You know, um and and uh There's a set of rules and um, unfortunately, they're they're not they're not um, put in place. They're not uh, enforced um, to the extent that they should be. And that's that's why a lot of Americans are are just are um, are not pleased with uh, with that issue and, and why it's so popular uh because it's a drain on society, it's a drain on on local and state governments, it's a drain on the country, has an impact on uh, on the healthcare system, has a an effect on um uh, on uh decision making that perhaps isn't the best for an American um uh, again politics drive it all but uh that's why it's such a hot button issue, why so many people are just angry about it,
0: um, and rightfully so. You know. Well, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. I think some people, maybe a lot of people, and I think you know, I'm not the only one that thinks that people just aren't looking at it realistically. Yeah. And you know, we could spend hours, days, weeks talking about all the various points, and probably still not run out of steam on it. But I mean, it's just you're right. I mean, from a practical standpoint, there's only so many resources. And, you That's know, right. be a, you know, a, a, and, you know, hyperbole aside, I mean, and, and all that stuff, there's only so much to go around. Okay. And, you know, it's not like we're heartless people, you know, no, if anything, it, we have a bigger heart than a lot of people who haven't uh, so, been outside so, so. their, their home little, you know, bubble wrapped world. But it's, uh, okay. yeah. But I mean, just practically speaking, and you're right. And we're saying, hey, you know, if you're if you if you're if you're an American citizen born or otherwise, but you're an American citizen, um, you have a pretty good, but you still got to contribute. And if you're not contributing, if you're constantly taking, you know, no, it's kind of like the the kid at the table that won't stop taking food from everybody else's plate. (laughs) You know, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, I yeah. digressed. Well, it's the uh, it's the uh,
1: the lifeboat analogy, right? Uh, you can only fit so many people in the lifeboat before it's going to sink. Yep. Um, and uh, you know, and another analogy, um, you picture Atlas carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders, mm-hmm. right? So there's um there's Atlas, right? And uh, which is the U.S. Um, and it got the weight of the world on his shoulders and uh, mm. everybody keeps asking and demanding and, and, and wanting um, keep piling that weight on Atlas's shoulders. Eventually he's going to shrug, right. And throw right. it off.
0: So. Well, speaking of Atlas, was it you or somebody else that rings up? Were you the one that told me about a book titled an Atlas shrugged? Was that you?
1: That was me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, like how I worked that in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was wondering, but I mean, that aside, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. You told me about that book that I got to check out.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, it was, I, you know, it, it's written in the fifties and, uh, remarkably it, I thought it applied even, you know, when I read it, you know, about 10 years ago, right. uh, just, uh, just the might of, uh, of prosperous industry and and how it's and how productive people can can carry a weight that that supports other people but they they can't do it all
0: but right. um well it's not. It, yeah it's just it's just like any i mean at, at some point too many people get uh kind of like uh, what is that seesaw what's the, you know the there's all kinds of you know, teeter totters, whatever you want to call it, you know, at the playground. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, at some point, it gets so out of balance that it, it, it can no longer work properly um, and yep. or it just breaks um, yep. or the person at the other end just gets, you know, they just are exhausted. They're tired of of contributing and everybody else just taking. No, I, I, I totally get it. Uh, sure. You know, um, so, again, it's not like we're heartless or we don't care because we do care but we also care about us and our family and our neighbors and the rest of the good people here, um, that are doing, you know, that are contributing that are, you know, and, um, at some point we, you know, there's always going to be takers, um, and non-contributors. They're, they're always going to be there, but we've got to do a much better job controlling it. No, I totally agree. A hundred percent. Um, so before we digress too much, um, uh, can we go back to, so oh, now yeah. you, Yeah, absolutely. I'll bring
1: it Uh, uh, it uh, full circle here.
0: Yeah, I I promise. Um, (laughs) But you were so you you contracted. You started your first contract was in the nineties, right? So, um, so I separated from the state patrol. Um,
1: You know, again, uh, loved that job, Uh, but it was a good move for my family at the time. Um, Hmm. The uh, you know, as a trooper, you know, you're expected to work um, odd hours, as you can imagine in, in almost all law enforcement jobs, you're not, you're not working bankers hours. So with this opportunity that came up with uh, Lockheed, um, it was a, uh, it was a uh, Monday through Friday gig and uh, Hmm. daytime hours and um you know ultimately uh, uh better pay
0: and um, oh, that's interesting because when when i think of lockheed martin and of course i know better now but i mean probably a lot of people are thinking the same thing that i used to think lockheed martin they're in they're they're an aerospace company but you know and i suppose to some extent that's how it worked in but you know remind the folks what what your contract you were doing imagery analysis
1: yeah um so uh, you're right. Most people do, they, they, uh, they they hear the name of the company and think it uh, synonymous with, uh, with aerospace and aerospace engineering, um, kind of like uh, Raytheon and ball um, all those big guys, all those de- big defense contractors. Um, but, uh, but, and that's exactly what the mission was. So hmm. Lockheed, um, you know, they, uh, they, they build and launch satellites, right?
2: Mm.
1: So, uh, know with the, with the, uh, with the assistance of, you know, um, of thousands and tens of thousands of, uh, contractors and subcontractors, Mm.
2: these,
1: these missions are enabled. Um, so the making the lap move, uh, Joining the the force imagery interpretation unit um, back in the mid 90s enabled this um, late 90s. So I put into practice the the MOS skill set that the Marine Corps um, gave me um, uh, by way of schooling down in Goodfellow Air Force Base, Texas. Uh, Great times down there. Um, picked up that 0241 skill set, which kind of made me, when you're 41, an imagery interpreter, you're, 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 it's implied that you can do 31 work as well or general intel analysis, uh, but uh, was a- enabled to get hired on um, with the assistance of a, of a fine commander, Jaraseski, and um, uh, enabled my successes. Um, the mission was driving sensors on satellites to detect and pick up anomalies um, worldwide.
0: Without going so to anomalies. Can you, can you explain what kind of anomalies?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Basically
0: doing um, um, uh, missile
1: defense work. Hmm. Um, so you We've all seen those movies where um, where you where they show this giant room full of uh, hundreds of people sitting behind multi-monitored desktops that all look like a bunch of Etch-a-Sketch and light bright sets, right?
2: Mm.
1: With, they all got headphones on, and uh, there's mass communication and and uh, and um, loudspeaker announcements constantly. That was the that was the controlled chaos um at the uh at the uh at this place where I worked in Colorado. Um uh subterranean environment and uh sometimes not knowing if it's day or or night. (laughs) But, But sitting to answer your question, um yeah. Uh basically driving a sensor on a satellite Uh, Lockheed Martin, that that they owned, contracted by the government for missile defense purposes. Mm. That was was my first contracting job. Now, I'll I'll try to speed it up because, you know, for those in your audience that might be falling asleep right now. (laughs) um, I've been told that I've got a good radio voice, Scott. I don't know, but uh, (laughs) some people might be falling asleep listening to me. Um, so, uh, so yeah, uh, that job led into another with Lockheed led into another, mm. uh, years going by. Um, I'm still part of the Marine Corps at that time, by the way. Um, uh, let's call it 2000, uh, yeah, 2013 ish timeframe. Um, uh, part of CLB 23.
0: So uh, you were, so you were still on contract. On that same project until 2013. Oh no,
1: I'm sorry, I'm still in the Marine Corps.
0: Um, okay, okay. But uh,
1: but the I'm still contracting at the time. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Uh, I'm still working for Lockheed. Still part of the Marine Corps Reserve. Mm. Uh, CLB 23, uh, Fort Lewis, McCord, Washington. Um, First sergeant out there. Uh, great bunch great bunch of guys up there, very demanding, very challenging role, um, uh, mm. uh, being a first sergeant at battalion level. Um,
0: um Fort uh, Lewis, McCord, man, that's a term you don't hear much anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's interesting. A lot of, I'm, I'm talking with guys, uh, lately there's that, that are refusing to refer to it as JBLM. I <laughs> would say McCord and Fort Lewis. That's, that's how they, yeah, uh, <laughs> I gotta say it, it is kind of difficult JBLM, but you know, whatever. Was- um, old stuff that are hanging on to the past yeah Yeah, i mean yeah it's just the way it is but you know um okay yeah so but that's a big facility out there uh those 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 two those two bases that are now joined i mean huge yeah yeah they they comprise a lot of a lot of territory (laughs) probably more than most people realize if you get out there and drive around or walk around Massive, massive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I gained
1: that perspective of it being so huge because the, the command I came to, I came from prior to that, um, uh, Bravo Company, fourth tanks. Um, uh, now, now Lieutenant Colonel Chris Johnson, uh, probably one of the finest officers I've worked for. Mm. Um, he was a captain at the time when i was in but uh but yeah it's much smaller footprint than jblm um by the way i think
0: i think tanks are getting mothballed did you know that you know somebody mentioned that yeah uh, here recently and i'm like what what do you mean you mean we're going to be a there's not gonna be any more tanks in the army anymore or the marine corps and somebody no. was saying yeah, I, I, I I've not read anything definitive like that, but uh, that's what I'm hearing now. And it's like, holy what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just a platform not not commonly used anymore. Um,
1: I have a feeling that we're uh, they're all going to be parked out on some apron out there and uh, out there in, um you know, uh, 29 palms, uh, you know, developing a fine layer of moon dust until mm. time comes when we need them again. But,
0: uh, well, yeah. And, and that's probably exactly what'll happen. And somebody will go, dang, what, you know, good thing we didn't get rid of these, but what were we thinking when we mothballed them? Yeah. You know, like we've done with so many other platforms yeah. in the past. Wow. Okay.
1: Well, but anyway, tangent, sorry.
0: Yeah, um, no, no, that's fine. Uh,
1: KDOM, uh, I, I took it out of gear with the logistics battalion to take advantage of, uh, of one more overseas tour. Now I knew being part of a logistics battalion and chances are slim at me getting into, uh, getting a deployment overseas. I hadn't been to Afghanistan, been to Iraq twice, uh, but no, no Afghan deployment, um, mm. uh, the contracting world. Okay. So I'll tie this all in again with Lockheed, uh, opportunities were narrowing. Um, they, they, uh, The contracts are drying up Um, different. It was getting harder to 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 place my skill set in an available contract.
0: Um, Now, this is 2013,
1: 2014. Yeah. Yeah. Right around then. Um, So the the opportunity came up by some uh, senior Lockheed. Um, uh, guidance uh, to to go overseas to to take a take a contracting job working for Lockheed um, in a civilian capacity. So what that meant is I I dropped to the uh, individual ready reserve in the Marines Mm -hmm. and uh, and go overseas uh, as a as a civilian, which was which was um, a whole nother whole nother uh, game. But uh, this is what ultimately leads me up to the ability to be an OCONUS contractor um, uh, uh, through the exposures I've had in the past, the joint and combined environments I've been a part of in the past, uh, the challenges with uh, politics on the mm-hmm. civilian side with the, with the local and, and state agencies that I work for, um, all of that. I think that's what enabled me to, to be a part of this of this next movement, this next machine that I that I became a, a part of.
0: Um, sure. I mean, <clears throat> just getting out of the military. I mean, because while you're in the military, it's pretty difficult to be a contractor, um, Oconus, when you're in the military. Uh, but yeah. then aside, the what you're talking about is uh, your experiences and everything that you learned up to that point brought you to where you were so you know which i think is an important thing and, and i'll make this a very brief tangent but so so many times i'm talking with younger people you know and, and it's like you know when are you going to stop when you're going to do this you know when is it my turn how come i can't do this and and how come I, it's like you know i don't know what to tell you other than to say you're going to have to do the same thing that i did and my parents before me and yeah. their parents before them it, it, you know start at the ground level figure yeah. out Learn it and just mind your P's and Q's, keep your head down, do your job. And eventually, you know what? You'll have enough experience. And maybe you're not such a I don't want to say it on the air. I don't want to have to bleep this out, but you know, it'll happen. Just bide your time. You can't yeah. come out of high school and get that six figure income and be a rock star right away. You know, you that's Hollywood yeah. myth. It happens. Yeah, sure. You know, you get on some reality tv show and everybody thinks you know they love you and so they vote you to the top but you know in the real world this is the way it happens i'm yeah. sorry i digressed
1: <laughs> No, no you, hit the, you hit the nail right on the head scott no it's it's true it, it does not happen overnight um i like to think that i had a little part in planning my future and my career but uh, a lot of it was just was enabled because of my uh I think because of my willingness to, to keep paying into the machine, um, right. being part of this, uh, being part of the, uh, the organization that, uh, that brought me uh, so much satisfaction, um, and, uh, and not minding sacrifice, but, um,
0: well, and you made a lot of connection. I mean, and that's the other thing is that not only the experiences and the skills and the training and everything that goes into it over those 20 plus years of life, maybe yeah. you know, 30 years at this point, 30 plus years at this point. But I mean, but you've met a lot of people and they've all had a lot of time to, you know, say, hey, this is a good dude. He knows what he's doing. And yeah, we'd like to work with him.
2: <laughs> you know,
0: you you you're exactly right. Yeah. Um, uh,
1: it's, it's, it took a whole career to get there, but, right. um, but I make my way. So I take advantage of this opportunity. I drop out of the active reserve, out of the SMCR into the IRR. Uh, I take this OCONUS contract with Lockheed, and I'm in Kabul, Afghanistan, um, working uh, for the uh, International Security Assistance Force.
0: Uh, I remember that. ISAF.
1: ISAFs, yeah, Special Operations Forces.
0: Um, I remember the first time I saw that when I went to Afghanistan, and I remember thinking, "Was ISAF? What the? You know, I mean, all kinds of things went through my mind." Yeah. what the, uh, Well, what and the, I remember people? seeing an American troops with ISAF patches on their sleeves. It's like, what? Anyway. <laughs> yeah.
1: Bizarre, right? Bizarre. Yeah. It's kind of like watching a uh, a white UN
0: truck roll down through your neighborhood, right? Well, you're like that was what? one of the. Yeah, that was one of the things it was likened to. And it's like, "What? Have yeah. we become, you know, everything we've talked about, you know, anyway, whatever."
1: <laughs> so, so again, but but it was all it was all for the greater good, right? So right, right. the the ISAF South mission um uh, you know, uh, um recruiting, not recruiting, but uh comprised of uh, uh multi Um, all the joint and combined forces in the States and, uh, and throughout uh, most of Europe, you know?
0: um, Yeah. It was a multinational force.
1: Yeah. So here I am. I'm one of five, six Americans in this mini stadium seating type environment it's indoors you can imagine um uh being led by a by an australian one star um and his deputy uh colonel rick prince is outstanding Mm. group, group guy that i met um just had the most capable um presence and, and calming nature but but again completely capable um just a, a fantastic leader you get to the top of your game like he was and uh it's a pleasure to be around guys like that but uh working in that environment um you know i got my uh and everybody's decked out in their uh, multi-cam and you know and and here i am in my uh in my uh gucci contractor where Uh, you know um sporting the uh sporting the uh you know the the, uh the condor cap and I gotta tell you Scott I had a glorious beard you know you think uh Leonidas had a pretty sexy beard there you know in
2: 300
1: (laughs) it was a lot like that
0: I'm telling you no kidding yeah you know I I had I uh we might have to swap photos I had I mine wasn't sexy it was just big (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, that's all. Right. That's all right. The uh, I
0: know. had one guy. I had one guy. Uh, he wasn't a group guy, but he was one of them. One of them, and and he hollered out, "No, that's a real man's beard." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I digressed, but uh, Good stuff. but so. uh, you know they were great times. Um, uh, you know, um, you know, they they were sometimes. It was sometimes. I wouldn't call it drudge work, but sometimes it's just like, man, these days just never end, uh, which is fine. But, uh, but I want to ask you, so when you got to Afghanistan, you got into Kabul, what was that like for you aside and separate in comparison to your other experiences overseas?
1: Oh, wow. It was like being on another planet, you know, um, you know, flying into the Kush there and, and doing that, uh combat drop landing you know that was a new thing <laughs> yeah, the first time you experience it it's like whoa
2: these, we're uh, gonna crash
1: yeah these uh you know these 70 year old um you know uh Vietnam era pilots who just, <laughs> who just don't give a f-
0: yeah they don't ha- get a they don't get, yeah flying you know what about right <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah 100% confident you know, they're flying these little citations or whatever, whatever the platform was. And yeah. Anyway, doing that, uh, you know, coming into country and stepping off the plane and and uh, that you talk about, you know, the, all the different uh, the multicultural environment. It's like uh, it's like being on another planet, you know, I mean, uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: with uh, the chaos of what's you know, all the logistics and just everything. Um stepping off the plane by myself and, and, uh, you know, uh, being fully immersed in that environment instantly. I, I knew it almost felt in a weird way. It almost felt like I was home. Hmm. Um, because, because I, I think over the years and just, you know, being able to play well with others and, uh, and the confidence that, uh, that, that, was instilled in me as a young Marine, and then um, and then honed as uh, as a senior Marine and part of the uh, senior staff ranks. You know, you you learn that um, that uh, that each obstacle that you face in life uh, can be met, can be achieved. You just have to work each problem. And people have problems. Everybody's got problems. But it's the problems that make us uh, the worthy problems. You know, that's that's everybody's got to have that um, um, purpose and worth. And and I think that's, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of of those two having those two in your life. Mm. Um, and uh, instantly I knew that that that's what I was there for. Um, but yeah, six months in Kabul working at ISAF soft headquarters. Hmm. Um, specific- and you enjoyed it. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, working for RCT West, um, TAC West, hmm. Afghanistan and, uh, befriending some, some, uh, the, 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 the Western region of Afghanistan, um, was, uh, it was an italian soft mission so my the, the the italian soft contingency there in kabul that i worked for uh working for a uh working for a commander uh luca mecca luca was uh, probably one of the sweetest guys on the planet right mm. super nice you had typical uh you know uh you picture the uh the uh the uh Typical Italian guy uh, who's just smiling and and and, uh, you know, making a quality cup of coffee and and busting your busting your chops and you're smiling while he's doing it because he's got so, so much charm. Let me tell you, you, Scott, this guy is more capable than uh, than I can express, you know.
0: Sure. I know. I I believe it. I, I know what you're I've experienced what you're talking about.
1: Just just just. Uh, you know, you would not want somebody else. You would not want someone else with you. The hell am I trying to say? You walk down a dark alley, you want him with you.
2: Right. Yeah. No.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I believe. So, it. Yeah. So, um, so I guess I did an okay job with them at, uh, under the flagpole. They send me out for another six months out in, uh, Herat,
2: hmm.
1: um, way west Afghanistan. Uh, now, what,
0: now, what was that like? I mean, you know, we, we we talk with guys that have, you know, been in various locations and Herat sometimes comes up. Uh, what was that like uh, as a, compared to, say, your experience in your and, and your sense, your senses uh, as compared to, say, Kabul?
1: Yeah. I, so at this point, I feel like I feel like, you know, it's almost like the end of the movie. You know, my whole life being huh. this series of adventures. Um, and as you get closer and closer, you know, the bell curve, um, quickens, it becomes more, more intense or increased. This is a point here where, where I'm I'm fully immersed. Um, I'm one of literally, you know, an ISAF soft headquarters in Kabul, there's hundreds and hundreds of Americans as well as, you know, um, um, NATO members and, and, uh, and allies from all over Europe. Um, but in Herat, it was, it was a, a base that was split between the, the, uh, the Spaniards and, uh, the Italians. And I worked for the Italians on that base, you know, of about 3,000, maybe 4,000, um, plus or minus depending on, uh, on, on force strength. There, there was maybe, I don't know, a dozen Americans, hmm. you know, so being the minority was, was, uh, was enjoyable. Um, it was, yeah, true. In, huh. And in, in that, and the, uh, and the, um, the opportunity to be the guy, you know, I worked with one other guy, um, uh, Captain Kyle Gary, USA. Hmm. Um, outstanding guy um, worked with just him in a cell um, in our own, our own analysis environment, uh, which is a fancy way of saying a, uh, a conics box, you know, a shipping container <laughs> you know, uh, pimped out with a bunch of electronics. Um, but one um, other guy in the, in, in the whole compound. And it was uh, it was an honor to have that much weight uh, placed on my shoulders to to be able to provide these guys, these outstanding operators, with with, uh, um, with an intelligence product that enabled their successes. Um,
0: so. So your con- so your contracting overseas, um, as it was in the states, was um, intelligence based, correct? It was indeed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, can can you tell folks, uh, based on your recollections and experiences, is there a difference in what you do in the intelligence field as a private contractor versus same person doing otherwise the same job or same type of job in the military?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so one of the one of the um, benefits of doing it on the contractor side is that you, you don't have to worry so much or be so concerned about any collateral duties. You know, you're not PMCSing. You're not, uh, you're not going to organized uh, PT. You're, you're not, um, you're not standing any formations. You're not, uh, you don't have any B billets. Um, you, you get to focus solely on your, on your job mm. at the luxury Uh, of your own pace Hmm. and uh, being a contractor, you know, you are in charge of you and, and, or maybe, maybe you've got a team lead. Um, But uh, they, they select these, these folks these contracting folks for a reason. And, and and they go through a vetting process of, uh, you know, can you basically, can you play well with others, you know? And so there's no conflicting personalities and even hone that down more when put in more remote posts in more austere position positions uh, on the battle space. So uh, having having one or two or three other guys that you work closely with, um, you get to focus. You get to hyper focus on on what you're doing, um, and it's 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 specialized, and, and you're not clouded with I don't know, some, uh, some old first sergeant, uh, mm. telling you to police your mustache, you know, <laughs> you, you got to, um, you, you don't, you get to, um, you get to, all that is removed as, as a private contractor. No pluses and minuses, right. Right. Uh, being, uh, being unarmed in theater was a little unnerving, mm. but, but that said, um, um, there were, uh, I never, I never went without, we could just put it that way. Um, right. feeling, feeling a hundred percent secure. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, yeah, and that, and that, um, that can be, uh, that sense you're talking about can be elevated and heightened and, and, uh, to a point of comfort depending upon where you're at. But for the most part, I would say, uh, in those in the areas we're talking about in the Middle East region, when you're on a U.S. military establishment base, um, perhaps other nationalities as well. There is a there, there can be certainly a, a certain sense of relief and uh, comfort. Um, it's almost it's it's akin to um, getting home after a long day's drive and a long day work. Um you know, so yeah, um, I never felt comfortable being unarmed, and, and typically the only time I was is when I was coming and going in and out of the airports, um, mm-hmm. you know, coming into country, leaving country. But um, I don't know, that was just me, man. I, it's, you know, if I didn't have my weapon next to me or under my pillow, <laughs> I, I wasn't comfortable. But
1: <laughs> it, it, it's just, and it's just strange, you know, being in being in this chosen profession. Um, uh, like many of your guests that you've had on, um, you know, prior L.E., prior, um, uh, combat arms, uh, uh, members, uh, Marines group guys, um, uh, civilian careers blended with reserve careers, like all types, the, the folks that you talked to in the past on, on, the, on the podcast, um, probably have carried most of their life or you know if not um on duty off duty both and just to suddenly be not armed it's 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 strange it's kind of like it's kind of like not wearing your your diver's watch that you've worn for the last you know 10 years right (laughs) it feels it feels weird not to have that weight on right you know uh so it was it was a little bizarre, but um, but like I said, uh, I, there weren't too many times where I wasn't within, you know, a stone's throw of being able to uh, uh, pick up a, a, a platform of, right. of, of some type.
2: Well,
0: um, and I will say, yeah, it, you know, for those and that and I remember that being brought up a number of times that, you know, don't worry about it if the uh, whatever hits the fan um you can always go over here you know if we don't bring it to you you can always come over here and get it
1: <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and there's you know there's there's rules in place and all that but uh when it comes down to it you know round start flying it's a different set of uh right different right. set of rules i in a I, it, that was really only an issue once uh in kabul um i think i was um I think I was—I uh, don't know—outside was, uh, my birthing.
0: Um, um, and for people that are listening, uh, birthing—you're uh, talking about your your uh, your, your, your accommodations, uh, my, right? my
1: yeah, <laughs> my, 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 uh, my shipping container that I lived in. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah. I just uh, I
0: just wanted to make sure because birthing—I mean, yeah. Anyway, okay. And it's spelled it, differently too for anybody that's that's kind of wondering
1: <laughs> yeah my uh, you yeah, know that naval terminology good stuff <laughs> um, it, so I'm standing out in the in the patio area I think I'm shooting the breeze with uh, some of the guys that uh, work with uh, smoking a bone or whatever and um, and I in these rounds uh, were coming in from across the compound and and um, you know it was I'm like Oh, my God, you know, am I going to have to beat up a Jordanian and take his AK? You know, huh. um, it, the, the problem was solved before um, it became a super issue. The whole engagement lasted, you know, maybe maybe 20 minutes um, from outside the compound. Some insurgents trying to uh, do some, uh, you know, they're working their uh, their their crappy assault rifles as a, an indirect fire weapon, <laughs> which was, uh, which was amusing because the more than capable um, defense forces uh, in, in Kabul just sent some 500 grain boat tails at a cyclic rate through the uh, top deck of this concrete platform. And let's just say that uh, the, 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 uh, the walls were painted a different color <laughs> at, the end of, at the end of the story. But um yeah. But uh, that was really the only time where it became where, where I was concerned, huh. um, just because of the capabilities and the and the and the professionalism that I was surrounded right. uh, with, you know these these uh, these Italian soft guys, uh, Giuseppe Larusa, Luca Mecca, um, um, all these guys. Um,
2: huh. to
1: I got to book got a I gotta book, a book, a uh, Italian vacation sometime. soon.
0: <laughs> thanks, thanks. Well, for, you uh, know, i interesting. Me. You said Giuseppe. I've, I've got a, a guy that I met. His his name is Giuseppe. In fact, he's been on uh, an episode here, but he's in Italy and uh, he's made it quite clear that if I ever come out there, let him know. And uh, he'll take care of me and put me up. And uh, so I'm just saying if, if if you do go over there and you don't or anybody's listening, If they do head to that part of the world and uh, they're looking for a friendly face and someone that they they can trust to look out for them and and, uh, help them around, navigate properly um, and just make sure that you're okay, Uh, Just let us know. We'll put you in touch. In fact, well, um, I'll put a plug in for him later. This is this is about Steve, but I'm just saying, Steve, if, if you do go there, let me know. If you don't know anybody, I'll put you in touch with this guy and I'm sure he'd be happy to help you out. Oh, okay. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, Giuseppe Scuolant. Uh, Giuseppe is his first name. I, I, I'm going to butcher his last name, so I won't. I won't say it. But I know how to spell it. <laughs>
1: it's okay. It's okay. You know, you you find yourself in uh, Italy, uh, specifically the, the the southwestern coast, uh, La Spezia uh, region, right?
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, a, in fact, that's where uh, he and his brother have a business, in the uh, La Spezia, I think, it's, it, at their website. But uh, uh, How did I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and we didn't talk about this before the
1: podcast, honest. Nope,
0: no, no, nope. no. You know, so speaking we, of, and I hate to do this, but um, uh, uh, looking at the time here, we're going to have to correct. wrap this up pretty soon. Uh, okay. But with that said, Steve, I mean, we there's so much um, we didn't talk about. And we got so much material we could talk about. So I want while we're talking about it, I just want to make sure. And, and I'm assuming it's a it's an affirmative, a yes. Um, but you'd be willing to do this again? Yeah, of course, Scott. Yeah, it's a pleasure, talking to you. And it's a um, it's a uh,
1: I think it's it's helpful and uh, and uh, appreciated by uh, guys like me who are listening. Guys like uh, Anybody who's interested in the contracting world just get a perspective of uh some, you know what real life is about and
2: right.
0: expectations and such. Well, um, so speaking of which, and uh, we'll wrap it up with that. But in, in the meantime, so now that you're you're, you're done with that stuff, um, and, and before and since you're done with it, you finished What was the last year you worked as a private contractor overseas?
1: That was it. That was it right there. Uh, oh, okay. 2014. Um, okay. the, uh, the, uh, the mission was, uh, was absorbed by a different contracting okay. company called the uh, British aerospace electronic systems.
0: Oh yeah. BAE. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, well, so, so now that that's all done, what, what's changed? What's different? What are you doing these days? I mean, well, I know, but you, you know, other folks don't.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it was very tempting to stay in theater for, for, uh, for an, like, an undetermined amount of time thereafter because of just how, what an awesome experience it was. And I, and I mean that in the true sense of the word awesome. Um, yeah. but, I realized, uh, I should get back here and, uh, spend some time with, uh, my two little lovelies, um, uh, Samantha and Stephanie, hmm. my daughters. Um, but, uh, So came back stateside and engaged with uh, with local law enforcement, um, worked for the uh, two different sheriff's departments um, and then uh, over the years. And then um, ultimately, I I like to think because uh, I watched uh, I minded my P's and Q's, uh, I was enabled to work for uh, the Federal Protective Service uh, under the umbrella of uh, Homeland Security, uh, DHS, um, who I currently work for now.
0: Hmm. Yeah. um, You do some sort of instructing or training? At least that's one of your jobs there? Um, It's it's a um, it's there's there's a lot of hats
1: worn by the uh, by the inspector, uh, um, by the uh, by the um, individual in my position. Um, one of them is, uh, not necessarily instructing or training, but, uh, um, but, uh, monitoring, uh, a guard force that we, that we, I say we, that the agency subcontracts as a matter of contracts as a matter of fact, so that in, in a, in a, in a roundabout kind of way, you know, I've, I've become the, the, um, the, uh, of a managerial or role for the contracting security force that, uh, that FPS um, employs. Um, but, so, uh,
0: so your primary day job is with FPS right now? That's correct. Yeah.
1: And, and okay. the main focus is physical security of federal government buildings. That's our, that's the bread and butter of the agency. And uh, secondary to that is federal law enforcement Um on, on uh, crimes committed on federal property.
0: Hmm. So, um And have um, to dive down that one a little bit further next time.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to say it. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's an eight to four Monday through Friday. It, it doesn't yeah. get it doesn't get any better.
0: Right. Um. Uh, it's almost like a vacation, almost. But uh, <laughs> <coughs> so uh, as we wrap this up, uh, Steve, uh, do you have? And if you do, do you want to provide a um, pearl of wisdom, final thoughts, or golden nugget for people to keep in mind? Uh, yeah. To take away something? Yeah. Um,
1: I would just, I would say that um, anybody who's interested in moving into the world of uh, contracting work or or law enforcement or uh, in, in, in whatever capacity, it could be in a support role or uh, an active, more active role. Um, I, I would say what what would help would be to define what it is you want in life. You know, try to fast forward towards the end of your career where you'd like to be and work it backwards, uh, develop a plan. Mm. Um, uh, if you if you define it, it's easier to achieve. Um uh, and along that path, just stay appreciative, uh, stay humbled, um, try to learn, try to listen more than you speak. Um, it, it's helped me. It's, I uh, it take a long time to uh, to complete a sentence. So it, it, <laughs> it, it helps. It's helped me absorb more because, you know, people want to fill in the blanks. And so I've I've, I've captured a lot of wisdom that way, but
2: uh,
1: I say, stay humble. um, And, um, and whatever it is that you're shooting for. um, If you're a, if you're a young man or woman, you know, in your twenties and you're not quite sure whether you want to, you know, uh, stay stateside and, and what to do for a career, you know, maybe lack a little direction, just, Try to define that goal, be good at it, stay humbled. Um, And it doesn't matter what path you choose as long as it has um, purpose and worth. And that that is that is it's taken me 50 years to figure that out. But um, but that's Mm -hmm. what meant the most in my that's what I realized that has meant the most in my life when I look back at the what what I've, the experiences I've, I've had that mean so much to me, it's because they had purpose and worth. So yeah. I, I would encourage any young person to, to seek a path that, that, uh, that would resemble that, um, those two things having purpose and worth. But uh, yeah, wow. Scott, thank you for your, for having me on. Also uh, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to be among the company of those you've had on uh, in the past. And I look forward to talking to
0: you again, uh, soon. Well, thank you, Steve. Uh, I appreciate hearing that. And that's some good, that's some good, uh, thinking thoughts, uh, advice, um, you know, counsel, you know, don't be impatient. Um, I get that way sometimes, <laughs> you know, yeah. I want what I want now, dang it. I'm tired of waiting, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, just earn your stripes and, uh, You'll get there. But that, that's some that's some good advice. I appreciate that, Steve. And, and I appreciate uh, what you said. Um, nice to hear. Uh, so, folks, uh, I hate to say this, but um, uh, we've got to wrap this up now. Uh, so I want to thank um, my guest again, Steve Shuback, uh, for making time to do this, uh, taking time out of his weekend uh, away from his away from his duties and whatnot to uh, do this with us. Uh, sharing his experiences with us here on Oconus the Contractor's Life. Uh, there are a lot of resources out there, and and we'll try to get some of those in on these episodes. Um, also, trying to put those up at the uh, new official website for this podcast. Um, it is uh, we 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 have two. We have the 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 platform that this is hosted on. Everybody knows that Oconus.Fireside.fm, dot fm. But now we have the official. At, just Oconus TCL, that's OconusTangleCharlieLima.com, um, and and I'm putting up, trying to get some resources and links that Steve and, and other people have talked about uh, to help people flesh things out and where to go and who to talk to, and uh, with feedback, uh, honest feedback, uh, feedback is always welcome. We just want you to be honest, right, Steve? <laughs> just be honest and sincere about what you're saying. Yep, indeed. Um, So with that said, um, uh, we'll we'll get all that stuff sorted out and we'll get it out there for you folks. Um, And if anybody's uh, interested in being a guest, um, you know, you're you're a contractor, used to be, are now, or you know somebody that is or was, and you think they'd have interest, uh, just raise your hand. Let us know. Send us, uh, uh, you know, you you can call us um, if you know somebody. Uh, If you don't know the number, there's a reason we don't just give it out, but uh, contact us at... uh, Info at OkonusTCL.com or OkonusTCL at gmail.com. We try to make it easy for folks to get a hold of us. So with that said, I want to thank all the patriots and warriors who've done their time and service to this country and, and, and uh, the, the other people around the world that have done the same. Uh, working for peace, stability, and because uh, without you folks listening, uh, what we're talking about really doesn't matter uh so with that said folks remember to be careful what you wish for stay frosty stay safe and until next time keep it real